You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 60 on this Tuesday, 60. February the 20th, 2024. Josh Calloway, James D. Jackson, Tom Green with you on a Tuesday, third straight week. We've bumped the Monday show back to Tuesday. And third straight week, it, it kind of paid off because a bunch of stuff happened on Monday. Yep. We'll be able to talk about uh, on the show today because we waited a day. So on the show, we'll get our status report series. We started that last week with quarterbacks and running backs. We're going to keep that rolling with wide receivers and tight ends today. We also have some staffing stuff we got to talk about. Um, some interesting movement there that we'll we'll try and – Break it down as much as we can, and also look at the hoops uh, latest there as the men try to make the tournament. The women uh, had their winning streak snap, but still obviously in very good shape there. So we'll break it all down for you here on a Tuesday. But gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive into our stats report series to start. Uh, we did this last week with quarterbacks and running backs as well. Received people, you know, liked it, got into the conversation. Some names that uh, fans are excited about. We're gonna keep that rolling with wide receivers and tight ends today. Let's start with the wide receivers. Emmett Jones group, obviously you guys remember, going into the year last year was, you know, I don't know if you would call it a weakness, but it was a question mark certainly coming into the season last year. Marvin Mims would have been the number one guy for a few years, moved on to the NFL. Theo Weiss hit the transfer portal. They had all these unproven guys. We didn't know what Jalil Farouk would look like as number one. We didn't know if Drake Stoops could handle a bigger workload. We didn't know that Nick Anderson was going to be a touchdown machine. I mean, there was all these question marks that we just didn't know. And uh, obviously, the group overall passed with flying colors. It was excellent last year. And now you come into this season, you only really lose Drake Stoops. You're bringing everybody else back. You add Deion Burks from Purdue. All these receivers that you signed, four of which, the headliner Zion Kearney. But obviously, those three guys are certainly potential contributors maybe right away as well next year. How do we feel about it? Like I said last week, status quo, we feel better, feel worse. Where do you guys feel with the wide receiver group here for Emma Jones in year two? A lot of talent still certainly on that uh, in that group. Yeah, I think you feel better, at least going into the season, than you did a year ago. Um, like you said, it was a big question mark last year. Didn't know who was going to yeah. be that number one guy, who was going to step up, how some of these guys were going to develop. But you look at the production of that room. Obviously, losing Drake Stoops is difficult because he was just so consistent. He really stepped up as a number one receiver. Uh, midway through the year when Andre Anthony went down, but you're returning everybody else basically. Um, you know, Nick Anderson had that breakout year. Uh, Jaden Gibson emerged. Um, 
you know, Jalil Farouk is going to be back. You're adding mm-hmm. Deion Burks, who at the time was one of the top receivers in the portal, um, you know, should be able to help fill in that spot at the slot with uh, Drake Stoops gone. And then you're getting Jaquez Pedway in year two. He's a guy who, you know, we saw early on and clearly had a pretty good rapport with Jackson Arnold. Uh, just, you know, didn't get on the field too frequently um, because of depth in that room. And look, at some point, you're going to get Andre Anthony back. Um, yeah. We don't know what that timeline is going to look like for him because, you know, the injury happened, you know, basically the first week of October took a couple of weeks before they actually did the surgery. But, you know, the timeline for an ACL tear like that, you know, it varies. Um, you know, everybody's different. Everybody heals at a different rate. But it it's, you know, an injury that, you know, heals a lot quicker than it did even a decade ago just because of the advancements in medicine. Sure. So you're feeling really good about this room. And that's without even looking at what they're bringing in with that 2024 class. Like you said, Zion Kearney, you know, uh, Ivan Carrion, Zion Reagans, KJ Daniels. I mean, it is a deep room. Um, and look, it, it's a lot of weapons for, you know, Jackson Arnold and Seth Luttrell to work mm-hmm. with. So, yeah, I think you feel really good about that position going into this year. Yeah, I mean, it's like what Tom said. I mean, just losing Drake Stoops is kind of the biggest blow at this point in time. But the rest of that room got better. I mean, we were so low on them going into the season because there were so many question marks of how this unit would, you know, perform in the season. Now that we've seen it and and saw that they could perform well, I mean, I I feel really well about this unit. I mean, really, really well, especially compared to what we were last year. So as as, as Tom said, I mean, Andrew Anthony, getting, you know, guys like that back is going to be very beneficial to this team. And, and 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 Jackson Arnold and Josh and, and Petaway's, you know, combination that we saw early on in the season, that's a very good sign. I'm glad that they actually got to show that early on and, and show that they those two could be really good together because maybe you, you gotta find somebody else to replace Drake Stoops. Like the the connection that, you know, um Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stoops had, maybe that could be Petaway and, and, and Arnold. Maybe that could be the thing that they do from now on. So but having those other weapons on the outside and, and Gibson and Anderson and all those other guys. I mean, this this room is loaded, and then you have the additions as well. I mean, this is we feel really good about this. I think. Yeah, Gab Freeman kind of lingering in there somewhere too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that for me it would be status quo from last year, but that's not a bad thing because the receivers were so good. You know, you lose Drake Stoops, that's a huge blow. Um, we've talked about that at length, you know, throughout the season and since then. You know, as he gets into the draft circuit, and we'll talk about him more pro days coming up next month, stuff like that, but. Drake Stoops was huge for this team. And, you know, in the money downs, that's where Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold in the ballgame were, was always looking. He was always mm-hmm. clutch. He was a leader. All that stuff that we all we all know and fans know. Yeah. So losing him is, you know, I don't want to understate it. The talent is obviously more than there with everything that you guys have said. All these guys are back. You bring in Deion Burks. Um, and then year two for Petaway, you feel like that he's ready to – maybe have more of a workload. It's going to be tough because the room is so crowded, but you feel like he could handle that. And, you know, the freshman coming in, Jalil Farouk is back, and a lot of fans weren't thrilled with the way his season ended with the turnovers and, you know, the fumble against Kansas and some drops and stuff like that. But I'm still a huge fan of Jalil Farouk, and I think he's going to have a a bounce-back season. The the room is loaded, you know, like we said. It's going to be a major strike next year. Um, you can rotate. I mean, how many? How many deep? I mean, six, seven, eight guys deep. If you want, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. That's, yeah, that's a big reason why I'm, I'm higher. I mean, like, there's just so many more options yeah. now that you could really be like comfortable putting out there and not be questioning the coaching staff. Like, what what is he doing in the game at this time? You know, it's not going to be that situation. I feel like you can throw a lot of those guys out there at the beginning of the season, really figure out who's going to be the top of the top to go to mm-hmm. ride through the SEC. What do we think? Yeah, I'm, curious, I'm curious to see like how deep they actually go. Um, 
Yeah. You're, you're, you're probably not going to play more than six guys. You know, you want to be like too deep at each spot, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, schematically to be able to keep guys fresh. Like we know, we know Nick Anderson's going to get his share of looks. We know Jaden Gibson's going to be a guy. We didn't even mention Brendan Thompson. Yeah. Ooh. It's, it's yeah. tough, man. It's, tough. it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like, skill back there. I knew man. somebody would get over, would get forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unmatched speed. Like he's going to be a guy that is going to be that deep ball threat. Um, you know, now that he's going to have a full off season with the program. Hopefully, that hamstring injury doesn't pop up again because um, it is something that uh, was it a hamstring with him or was it a? I think, I think so. Yeah, it's like a hamstring so, situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he is a deep threat, you know, home oh, yeah. run hitter guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, wait, it, are we talking about the bowl game? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, just bowl game. He, I think it was concussion, right? Yeah, bowl game was concussion. But I think oh, earlier right, 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 he right. was dealing, he was dealing with another injury. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I know, and I know, he had a hamstring injury from his time running track at Texas. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those soft tissue injuries like are things that pop up. Like we saw that happen with Nick Anderson during his first year, and it kind of you know, kind of derailed his first year before he broke out last year. But mm-hmm. if, you know, Brandon Thompson can be healthy, if Andrew Anthony returns, um, you know, early in the year and is healthy, I mean, they just have a wealth of options in that wide receiver room. It's just going to be fun, interesting to see, you know, how they find the snaps and the targets yeah. for all those guys. Yeah, because that's what yeah. I was wondering with, you know, assuming Andrew Anthony's healthy week one, which is kind of a big assumption, but let's, let's for the sake of this, say he is. Who starts? I mean, because you feel like you have to start Farouk. You have to start Burks. You have to start Anderson. You have to start Anthony, but you can't start them all. I mean, there's too, that's not enough, not enough spots. So I'm, I'm, that's going to be a fun one to watch that spring and obviously into fall camp because it's all play. They'll all rotate in, but who's going to get you think Burks? Snaps? You think Burks is a guaranteed starter at this point? Probably. That's, right? that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't like, we don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. well, here's the thing it, is, is Jalil going to move inside the slot? Because I know he said, during bowl practices that that was you know an option that he you know if he came back there's a chance might yeah. move i probably would because then the, the slot position is basically between him and burks and you have jaquez petway who can play there too mm-hmm. um that that one is a really interesting competition clearly nick anderson's going to start on the outside if andrell anthony is healthy to open the year you'd like to think that he is the other starting receiver on the outside then you rotate in Jaden gibson you rotate in brennan thompson um and you know try to find spots here and there for some of these freshmen, um, you know, especially early in the year in non-conference play. I think those guys will get some more more run, uh, chance to develop. But, you know, the one that's just really interesting is that Drake Stoops role, who's mm-hmm. going to step in. Because, you know, Jalil Farouk might naturally be a better slot receiver than he is an outside guy, um, yeah. just because of some of the things he can do. Um, Deion Burks didn't play slot all the time at Purdue, but he's a prototypical slot guy and like right. you go out and get him to replace a Drake Stoops. Um so I, I I'm just really curious to see how that role in particular uh just really shapes out. The options are there obviously in the talent that's not gonna be a problem. It's gonna be just kind of figuring out the pieces uh, how they all fit together. It's gonna be fun to watch uh, throughout spring. I think whenever we get those open practices in spring, it'll even seep in more whenever they're doing the drills and the quarterbacks are throwing like good gosh they're three deep at every spot with guys that you feel like could do the job if they need them to. Um, Emmett Jones has rebuilt that room. It's insane. Uh, in the short time he's been there, through the portal, through recruiting, and then developing guys who are already there, like Gibson and Anderson. It's been it's been nuts, the job he's done. Um, it's going to be a fun group to watch. Tight ends. Hold on. Before um, we get there, I want to yeah. point out, I mean, it's going to be so much pressure on these guys that are even starting 
Like, because you know, like, the guys behind you can be just as good in certain situations. So, like, if you make an error or a mistake, like, say, a fumble here, a drop pass, like, that could that could alter you for quite some time because the next guy can come on and get hot and you're on the sideline. So, it's just, like, this yeah. is a good situation to be in, like, as a group because there's so much depth that it's going to make everybody better because you, ha- you, you can't have those laps. You can't have those moments where you're not doing everything right if you don't block block correctly on assignment that could that could bring you out you know what i mean so like this the group is the group is really good i think that that points a lot to it i felt a lot about that when i was you know playing baseball and things like that and you know there's just just having guys behind you that could be just as good you really got to step up you you can't take it for granted i know it's oklahoma you should do that anyway but i'm telling you the mental the mental part of it is going to be there now sure Tight ends, um, obviously disappointing group last year. Probably the weakest position group on the team. Got basically nothing in terms of um, you know actual volume stats, catching passes, you know, getting in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty two, obviously Brent Venable's first year. Braden Willis had a career year. Um, he's in the NFL now, uh, playing some kind of spot duty for the Niners. But he had an all time season. They brought in Austin Stogner seemingly to fill that void, and it just didn't didn't work um, for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, it didn't it didn't end up working out. Caden Helms was hurt all year, so he never played. He is back. Uh, Jason Llewellyn barely played, if at all, and he portaled out. Um, Blake Smith portaled out. Um, he was brought in just kind of be a blocking option anyway. He had a couple. Had that touchdown real early in the year. I mean, not not expect to be. And so, just overall, they didn't get much of anything. Now this year it looks much better. They were aggressive in the portal. Jake Roberts comes in from Baylor. Bauer Sharp comes in from Southeast Louisiana. And then, of course, they sign Devon Mitchell, the, you know, superhuman, if you've ever seen him, you know, play or just even walking around. He's not built normally. Um, where do we stand with the tight end group? Caden Holmes, like I said, also back. So those are kind of your four starter candidates probably. Um, this group can only improve. I mean, so that, that part of it is, I think, a given. But – I guess confidence level overall that it's going to be different uh, this year than opposed to last year. Will it be more like 2022 or more like 2023? That's uh, the question right now with this uh, tight end group. Yeah, I think you feel exponentially better about yeah, the tight end room because, yeah. it, it, like you said, it can't get much worse than what it was last year. Um, you know, they just did not get enough out of that position. You know, Austin Stogner, for as good as he was during at times during his first stint in Oklahoma, just wasn't the same player this time around. And you know, he, I think a lot of that is just, you know, he didn't have the explosiveness and kind of the mobility that he had before his knee injury earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're bringing in Jake Roberts, who's got experience in Seth Luttrell's offense and excelled in that. Um, and obviously, you know, has played some big time college football at Baylor. You're bringing in Bauer Sharp, who, you know, he's a converted quarterback, but he's a guy that a lot of, you know, programs were high on with his development after he switched to tight end. Um, and he's a guy that he, he can give you a few things. Maybe he can be a wildcat package type of guy, um, you know, be that belldozer um, instead of trying to run Jackson Arnold uh, yeah. up the middle and, and, you know, short goal line situations. And like you said, Devon Mitchell, he's a physical free guy that reclassified from the 2025 class to 2024. So, you know, he's you know clearly ahead of where he should be in, you know, just in terms of his age and in terms of his development. Um, so I'm curious to see how quickly he comes along. But I think you feel a lot better about, you know, the guys that you're bringing in um, compared to what you've lost. And also just the fact that, hey, Seth Luttrell was an H-back. 
Joe John Finley was a tight end. Now he's the co-offense coordinator. Those guys having more control of the offense, um, I think that that role is going to be, you know, kind of put at a premium. There's going to be a little bit more emphasis on that, especially like they're not going to change the offense drastically. It's still going to be kind of similar to what they ran last year. You know, Seth Luttrell is going to have his, you know, his, his own twists on it and, and what he likes to do. Mm. But I expect this to be a little bit more of a hard-nosed uh, scheme where you're going to need the tight ends. You're going to need that kind of H-back position to step in uh, from time to time. And I think that they now have the personnel to be able to do that more effectively than they were able to last year. And that's that's kind of the extent of my point. I, I think the tight end position just becomes more valuable now with Joe John Finley stepping up into that role as well. Like a lot of the times last year, it was kind of like when you get in a sticky situation in the red zone, it was like a Drake Stoop screen pass or something like that instead of going to the tight end position. Now, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the tight end position not, you know, giving us as, as much as we had initially thought, but I don't, do we really know what the scheme was overall? Like, do we really know, did the coaches staff really just prefer Drake Stoops over, you know, going to a tight end position? Like, this is a more safer play for us because of what Drake Stoops brings to this team. Mm -hmm. You know, is that type of situation part of it? You know, I mean, we don't really know. The tight ends, I mean, they, they were blocking pretty well, I think, in, in certain spots of the year. Now, they had their lapses that were pretty noticeable when they happened. But when you don't notice a blocking, that means you're doing pretty good. That's basically what it is. So, I mean, I, I, obviously, you, you feel a lot better about this group because the additions you, you think from the personnel are a lot better than what is subtracting from this unit. That, that's what you would think. So, I really feel a lot better about it. I mean, and I know I said this against, you know, all the positions that we talked about today, but that's really where the receiving unit is overall for the Sooners this time around. I mean, it's just you feel better about it because of what you saw last year, you know, different coaches coming in to, you know, taking over in the in the offensive roles and things like that. And you get five-star tight ends coming in that you know uh, should be pretty well for OU. I mean, Devon Mitchell looks like a guy that's already, you know, about to go to the NFL. I mean, guy like his size is crazy. Yeah. We saw him, you know, just in camp last year, just walking around. So, I mean, things like that. Um, you know, just that's just what it is. I think I feel a lot better about this group. But also, you want to look at the scheme of things as well. That's going to change a lot of what this tight end position, could, tight end position group could do. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say they were disappointed within the program with that position. Um, I mean, I thought it was pretty telling. You know, during fall camp when Jeff Levy was like, oh, we need Austin Stogner to be able to play 80 snaps a game, which is just mm -hmm. not realistic for a guy who's, you know, mm -hmm. had a history of injuries and, you know, running as many routes and blocking that much. Like, it's hard to play that many snaps. Um, to told you about how they kind of felt about their depth going into the year. Obviously, we saw, you know, other guys mix in. We saw Blake Smith get some run. We saw Josh Fanuel uh, come in. He's a guy that we haven't even mentioned yet. Curious to see how his development continues, you know, as a former basketball player, still getting used to playing tight end. But then you remember midseason when Brent Venables, uh, during one of his, you know, Tuesday press conferences, alluded to, you know, he didn't name any positions by name, but he said there's obviously a, a – position on this team that they weren't getting what they needed out of. Yeah. And we all, you know, kind of surmise that it's clearly the tight end group because um, that position was just not producing in terms of, you know, being effective in the passing game. You know, they block well some at times, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to assess, you know, we're not, you know, scouts, you know, we're, we're, we're not uh, able to, 
you know, we don't know the scheme on every play. We don't know the blocking assignment. So it's hard to, for us to assess it, um, you know, with just the naked eye, but it was pretty clear that they were not always thrilled with, you know, the production and the play of the tight end position. And I think that's going to change this year. And I think that's kind of like, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like they were, they were, they were, they weren't as good, but I don't think you should have expected much based on what Jeff Levy had said earlier on in the year. Like you knew it was going to be thin. So, you know, getting through the season healthy and producing, like basically doing your blocking schemes as you could, because we'd rather go to Drake Stoops at this point in time because we got that option. That's what I'm trying to say. But I did forget about the Brent Venomous quote. So, I mean, that that could be maybe they did think they weren't getting enough out of that yeah. group. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. It's got to be in a better place um, yeah. than it was. I think that's the overall sentiment. I mean, you know, they brought in these guys. They were aggressive. You bring in two from the portal and you sign somebody like Devon Mitchell. Um you're, you're being aggressive trying to turn things around. And, um, you know, the X factor is Caden Helms. I mean, who knows? I, I, I truly do believe he was going to factor in last mm-hmm. year if he had been healthy. And he did. He wasn't. Obviously, he never was able to get out there. Jason Wellen portaled out. So, Helms is the guy that left from that class. Two years ago, it's be his third year now. Um, you feel like if he's healthy and doing his thing, he's a good pass-catching tight end. Um, there, There's some potential for him to kind of – be a little bit of a burst onto the scene type of a player this year. But we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. We'll see what they all look like here coming up. Spring ball is really approaching quickly. We're just a few weeks away. Excited for that. Let's get to see some of these guys, all the new guys, um, which there's a lot of new faces like there always is. And so that's coming up very, very soon. And we'll get a chance to get a, get a look at some of these dudes. So that's it for this one. We'll be back uh, next week to continue the stash reports. We'll do offensive line. A lot of talk about there and defensive tackles next week as we start to shift over to defense a few more of these and then it'll be time for spring practice uh here like i said no, just no fullbacks man no fullbacks can't throw a fullback in there uh they don't have a fullback on the team <laughs> so that'd be hard to do i know it's, it's a crazy part of college football the way H-back, it's, H-back it's like tight ends the fullback of, yeah, yeah it's the same thing using the same but way. yeah i can't wait to see what the the comments say pretty much about this discussion i mean it was really good last last time we talked about this stuff so really yeah. excited especially I want to see the votes on the Monday or Tuesday pod because I think at this point in time we got to see what they think. Like this is, yeah. Well, during the season, it's got to be Monday. You got to get it out. Yeah, it's got to be Monday. But yeah, their off season. I don't know. The Sooners Illustrated podcast. We'll be back after this short break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, so what I was kind of talking about earlier with staffing changes that happened yesterday, which allowed us to talk about it today, had a couple of movement things here. Our own Colin Kennedy, and I'll be sure to talk to him on Thursday about it, broke the news uh, on Monday morning that Jolie Ale is going to be the replacement for Lee Davis, who I'm sure most fans are at least semi-aware of Lee Davis and remember that she left about a month ago. She was the director of on-campus recruiting, had been under Brent Venables. She was hired from Florida whenever Venables came in. Um, did that job for a couple of years. She left to go to UCF about, again, about a month or so ago. They hired her replacement, Jolie Ale, who was at USC for a while, pre-Lincoln Riley. And a lot of people are like, oh, USC, pre-Lincoln Riley. Then she was at Utah for a little while. And then she actually previously was with the Chargers in the NFL. So she comes over, is going to fill in that on-campus recruiting uh, role. Interesting to get somebody from the NFL and interesting to get somebody not from the SEC. Feel I felt like all basically a given that they would hire somebody from the SEC. They didn't. So we'll see how that goes. And the other news uh, are on Matt Zenitz broke that J.R. Sandlin, who has uh, been the director of recruiting and player personnel, stuff like that. Most fans, again, are probably mostly aware of him or at least have seen him around. He's leaving to take an assistant AD job at SMU. So, guys, I mean, it's hard to know what these moves are going to mean long term. Mm -hmm. um, these off-field, you know, kind of director of recruiting. I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to quantify. But I guess just reaction uh, on both of these, uh, you know, changes for Oklahoma happening on the same day. And we'll see uh, what direction they go to bring in somebody to replace Sandlin. And it's uh, interesting interesting times, I guess, when you're making these moves, you know, right now here in late February. Yeah. Uh, on, on the Sandlin front, um, you know, I, I wasn't too shocked. Like, I didn't see this coming, but I wasn't shocked that he yeah, yeah. Got, got a different role. Because we, we had heard earlier in the offseason that he was a guy that, you know, maybe wanted to get back on field coaching. Obviously, he at Jacksonville State before he got to Oklahoma. You know, he was involved with recruiting, but he was also coaching tight ends. Had, had heard that maybe, you know, Mississippi State following Jeff Levy over there as a potential on-field guy was a possibility. But you look at the, the changing landscape of college football right now, and these GM positions are just so coveted. Um, you're, you're seeing more and more schools do it. You know, they've they've been around for you know probably five, six years. I think is when they really started popping up. But now, you know, everybody is seemingly adding a GM. So for him to be able to go to a you know power conference school, SMU, obviously uh, joining the ACC, right? And then the conference line has got me all that stuff. But SMU is going to the ACC, I believe. Yeah, ACC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to be able to join a power conference school as a GM and add a, uh, you know, assistant athletic director title to that too, it's obviously a bump in title and probably a bump in role and, you know, salary for him. So the fact that he made that move wasn't too surprising. Um, but I am curious to see kind of how they feel that because – you know, we, we've heard certain things about, you know, how Oklahoma is kind of addressing the GM role. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we talked about that some on our board yesterday. Uh, Josh, if you want to touch on that a little bit. And then the, the Jolie Ale hire you mentioned, like, we don't know how this is going to pan out. Clearly, she has experience doing this job 
at you know power conference schools at USC at Utah. Um, I'm curious how the NFL experience is going to kind of play into this because you know she was doing community relations, which you know kind of when you think about it, you know goes a little bit hand in hand with what you're doing as a director of on-campus recruiting because you're mm-hmm. you know, setting up all these official and unofficial visits. You're you're kind of helping you know be a liaison uh, for these players when they are there visiting. So it. I mean, I'm, and I know it's a lot of the same skills. I just don't know kind of how that is going to, you know, parlay into what she's doing in this job and whether it's going to be a, a great hire or not. But clearly she's someone that, you know, Brent Venables and, you know, the people that he consults with felt good about to fill that role. I mean, you bring somebody like that in because you, I mean, they already have their proven track record of, you know, what they've done professionally and things like that. But you bring somebody in that's you know, from o- OU and, you know, really, you know, that's going to care about the program. I mean, honestly, it's not just going to be a job for them. So that's, that's the, that's the good, the, the best part about the hire. You get somebody that's really going to be there and really cares about the university and things like that. So you, you think it'd be beneficial. I mean, you, you know, it's tough to tell from I me mean, just from where we're sitting at to know all the intricacies and everything like that that goes on with these positions and how how much they help the program but you know they they help in a certain way so just having somebody there that you know is really going to care about the university that's a really good deal yeah you know tom i'm glad to circle back to sandlin tom i'm glad you brought up you know the a lot of people ask you know, was, was this expected is this unexpected you know how how you know out of nowhere is this and the you know to, to hedge it's kind of a yes and no um yes it's not it wasn't expected i guess necessarily today you know this week that he was gonna hop over to uh you know an improve you know a, a promotion at smu so people question that too is this a promotion it is it's gonna be a pay upgrade all, all that good stuff yeah. um but no in terms of nobody thought jr sandler was gonna be around for 10 years i mean that that was never that was never going to be the case i mean he was gonna you know continue that upward trajectory the way these athletic department, you know, kind of jobs work, like you, you need something to open. It doesn't, you can't really promote from within unless something opens, you know. And so that, that's kind of whenever the right thing came along, it kind of always felt like, yeah, Salem will will hop over, and that that makes a ton of sense for him. It's not a big move right down to SMU. It, it, like Tom said, they're going to the ACC. It, it, they have plenty of money down there. They're committed to trying to win. I mean, it, it's there's a lot, a lot of reasons to take that gig, um, and kind of you know pivoting off that with Oklahoma kind of knowing this was going to happen, you know, there's been a lot of you know, people throwing around Curtis Lofton as potential GM moving forward. Obviously, Curtis Lofton's been with the team, so that, that's nothing new. It has been for a couple of years now. He's the director of the Soul Mission. Um, so fans know, obviously, former player, played in the NFL for a long time. He's been around the team. It's not like he was brought in to be the GM, and he's still not the GM now, um, but he's filling some of that role now. And he may get that job full time at some point down the road because, I mean, where he's at now as a you know support staffer on the soul mission, he's not like legally allowed to deal with NIL stuff like negotiations with players and things like that. He can't be involved in that with his current role, which a GM normally would be. So he's filling some of the roles, but not all of them right now. So we'll see how that goes. That's something to keep an eye on moving forward. But how Oklahoma kind of it, it's so so a lot of this stuff is so new. A lot of fans are saying like GMs are college football. Like what does that even mean? Um, it means a lot of things. You know, it's kind of they they wear a lot of hats, and a lot of teams have one now. And so we'll see if Oklahoma officially fills that role, or if they want to just kind of group it. You know, uh, continue to do it that way for for the time being. So we'll see. Um, staffing changes. We'll be sure to let you know. VIP member, great time. Colin again broke the Jolie Hill news. We provided some more context on the Sandlin stuff yesterday. So great time. Jump aboard. 
Sooners Illustrated, Oklahoma247sports.com. Uh, flip over to hoops. So going to some basketball here uh, on the back end. You know, the Kansas game on Saturday for Porter Moser. Tom and I were there at the LNC. Um, they, you know, it is what it is, but the game, I mean, they lost by 10. We knew going in with Rivaldo Suarez and John Hewley out um, that it was going to take a, a Herculean effort in some some respects to, to, to win that game at home against Kansas, who's obviously a top 10 team and certainly a candidate to try to get back to the Final Four, all that good stuff. And they got that for about a half. I mean, J.V. McCollum looked great. Milo Suzan looked great. They're hitting a bunch of threes. It's like, that's what they needed. But they just couldn't sustain it. Uh, they didn't hit shots hardly at all in the second half, four total in the second half. Um, Tom, I mean, the, again, the game is the game. I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, I think even the most optimistic OU fan wasn't feeling good going into that game without Suarez and Hughley. That's the key element here. With right. those guys, you probably feel like you you have a shot here. Um, but without them, it was always going to be really tough. They're still in good shape for the tournament. What do they got to do? And where are you feeling at tournament chance? There's five games left. Uh, how would you kind of surmise where Oklahoma is right now um, with these final five? They have the week off. They're not playing a midweek game. So they have a little time to get settled, try to get healthy. Temperature check, status report for the for the Hoops team right now as they try to finish strong and get back to the tournament, which has been the goal the whole time. Yeah, I mean, they're still in a pretty good position. Um, you know, I think T-Rank right now has them at an 87% chance to earn an at-large bid, yeah. which is only a few percentage points down from where they were before losing back-to-back -back games. So it's not like, you know, they, they weren't expected to win either of those games. I think the Kansas game was a little bit more of a coin flip just because it was at home. Kansas had some uncertainty with injuries, but obviously Oklahoma's injuries played a pretty big role in that. Um but you know, look, right now they're 18 and eight. They're six and seven in the conference, you know, sitting in eighth place. Uh, you know, most you know, bracket experts think that the Big 12 is gonna get nine teams in. So Oklahoma is still, you know, right there in the thick of things. But I think over the, you know, they have five games left in the regular season plus the Big 12 tournament, where like I said, that they're currently projected as the number eight seed. Um, I think they would open against Cincinnati, which would be mm -hmm. a favorable matchup for them at this point. Uh, they've already beaten on the road team they're going to play again at home but i think for them to really feel comfortable and like not be sweating bullets on selection sunday i think they need to get to that 20 win plateau you know they, they, that's kind of always like the the nice round number to feel good about yeah, your, your ncla tournament prospects especially as a you know power six program um and you look at the schedule look, oklahoma state this weekend that is a winnable game. It's a team you beat already. It was a you know a rock fight. You got kind of had to strap that one out at home. Um, I know that one's always a little bit different on the road, and Porter Moser hasn't had the best record of success against Oklahoma State. But it's a game that is very winnable for this team, especially if they can get uh, you know Rivaldo Suarez. Probably seems more likely to be able to go this weekend than John Hughley because we're still waiting to find out. You know, the extent of his injury, even though Porter Moser said they don't believe it's going to be long term, they were still doing some more testing to see how, you know, how quickly he might be able to get back. But, you know, after the game on Saturday, he said that Rivaldo Suarez was probably 50 to 60 percent. We saw him out there before the game getting some shots up. He was moving pretty well, had that ankle pretty heavily taped. Yeah. But not having a midweek game is huge. Um, just, you know, getting that extra time to rest and not needing to rush it back. So if they can get him back for Oklahoma State, you feel pretty good about that one. You know, you still have, you know, home game against Cincinnati, team that you beat, team that isn't, you know, 
in the top tier of the conference. Um, you know, you, you beat Iowa State at home early in the season. They've been playing a whole lot better uh, since then. But it's a team that you know you have had success against and can maybe strap one out on the road against them. And then, you know, Houston, that's going to be a really difficult one. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to have, you know, much chance against that team because they've looked great all year. You are getting them on your home court, so maybe that there's a little bit more hope there. And then the season finale against Texas on the road. Um, again, you know, Texas is a team that beat them pretty badly on their home court. Um, team that Portal Moser has not had a lot of success against either. But it's your biggest rival. It's the last game of the regular season. Depending on what's on the line, we'll see what kind, you know, what Oklahoma can kind of muster, you know, from deep within to kind of get it across that finish line. But if you can get to 20 wins before the Big 12 tournament and then maybe win a game in Kansas City, you're going to feel so much better about, you know, your outlook on Selection Sunday than you do if you just limp to the finish and maybe finish with 19 wins. Yeah, I think two more wins probably get you there. Um, I mean, you're still going to be sweating it out, but I think two more wins probably get you there. Three, I think they're a lock. I mean, they're pretty cl- they're pretty firmly in now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not, you know, you can't just lose out, obviously. That'd be, what, yeah. that'd be an eight-game losing streak if you lose these last six to end the year. I don't think anybody's going to end the tournament with an eight-game losing streak to end the year. Um, those so, yeah, are, I mean, we'll see how they three, go. Yeah. Those three wins, are you including the Big 12 tournament and a win there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think two, I think two more wins, including Big 12 Summer, just two more wins, period. Um, yeah. And you're probably in, but you're sweating it a little. Three more, they're in. Um, I think that's kind of where you're at right now. And I, it really doesn't matter. Now, two more wins, and all wins aren't created equal. You go beat Houston, that's a little different than beating OSU right. this weekend. Um, so keep that in mind, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the way Houston defended last night against Iowa State and the way that they what Oklahoma put forth offensively these last couple of weeks with what Houston does defensively, that could be a nightmare game. Uh, we'll see. I mean, crazy things happen. Um, really need to win Bedlam. I mean, that kind of what it boils down to. And, and yeah, like you said, Rivaldo Suarez seems like he's trending toward he, – he was trying to play on Saturday. Porter had to kind of tell him no. Um, so, hopefully he's back because they, they need at least one of them. At least yeah. one of them. They just, the bench is so unbelievably thin without both of them. Um so you got to get at least one of them, and uh, that might have made a difference. Who knows against Kansas on Saturday? So we'll see. Um, still in decent shape, which was always the goal. You know, coming into the year was to get back to the tournament. They're still in good shape to do that, um, and so we'll see. I mean, they it's still out in front of them to do it. You know, I mean, the, the Kansas game. Some of the reaction was a little funny because it was they were shorthanded against Kansas. I mean, that, that's like a game that you're just not going to win more often than not. Um, and then at Baylor, I mean, last week was two very, you know, expected losses, put it that way. I mean, you never want to just toss a game away like they're going to lose this. But those are two games that you're going to lose more often than not. And they did. Yeah. So. I, I think it's the manner of the losses that was kind of it was ugly. Yeah, I mean, it was like, ugly. Like, like Baylor, that, you know, six minute stretch at the end of the first half just buried them. Um yeah, didn't have any chance of that. And then Kansas, you know, you, you put forth such a valiant effort in that first half. You, know, you build an eleven point lead with like two ish minutes left, and then you kind of just let the foot off the brake, off the gas a little bit. Kansas closes with six straight points. It's just five five point lead at the half. You know, you're feeling good because you're up, but you know, you had an opportunity to really 
you know, put some pressure on there. And then the second half, they just, just ran out of gas. Like you said, they only made four shots, you know, crazy, you know, they, they made what 14 out of 15 free throws in the second half, at least, because there was a lot of fouls in the second half, I think 25 combined fouls in the second half, but it, you know, that opening stretch coming out of halftime where a Oklahoma is struggling to make shots and B Kansas was getting a lot of foul calls. I think it was eight to one mm. fouls uh, in that opening stretch, and then Kansas shooting free throws the last fifteen ish minutes of the game. Um, it, it, it's just hard to defend at a high level when the other team knows that any time that they can draw a foul, they're going to go to the free throw line for the rest of the game, and they just did not have the, you know, they did not have enough for long enough to yeah. be able to, to compete with that Kansas team, that starting five, especially with Kevin McCullough healthy. Hopefully, uh, James McCollum's good, too. Um, right at the end of that game, he actually crashed like into me and a few other uh, people are in the baseline there. He smashed that table uh, there that where like Joe C usually sits. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a weird play. It happened. I mean, literally, he fell. He kicked my camera. He fell like over, over oh the, my goodness. everybody because oh it was uh, a weird play because he didn't come in. You know, sitting on the baseline, I've had a few kind of close calls, you know, just – you're right on the court. It's going to happen. But that one was weird because everybody was – it wasn't some crazy out-of-control play. It was a pretty standard layup. He did kind of just lost track of where he was. And when he looked up, he was he was in us. Uh, there was nowhere to go. And so sounds like he's fine. Porter Moses said after the game that he felt he, he was going to be just fine. So we'll get an update with Porter later this week. Um, with no midweek game, we aren't talking to Porter until later in the week. I think they said probably maybe Thursday. So keep an eye out for that uh, on the YouTube channel and whatnot as we get some updates on these – these injured players before final bedlam for who knows how long uh, on Saturday in Stillwater at uh, Gallagher. But we will be there, by the way. Tom and I making the trip to Stillwater uh, this weekend. So keep up with us uh, from Stilly. First ever uh, trip to Gallagher for, for Tom. So he can enjoy that. James, women's team. The win streak is over. They had won yep. 10 in a row. Um, they lost nine. Nine. Oh, nine. Okay. I thought yep. it was. Okay. They were going for 10. They were going they for 10. They had won nine. Insane stretch. I mean, it's like a month solid of winning. Just absolutely outrageous. They lost mm-hmm. on the road. I mean, it's going to happen. It's a good team. Um, they're still in first place in the Big 12 by a game. They play tonight, Tuesday night. They got Cincinnati tonight. Uh, I'm kind of look at the rest of their schedule. It's pretty manageable. And there's a couple of uh, tougher games in there, but there's a lot of winnable games, too. They might win the Big 12. They might have a shot here. You know, they lost. You know, they, they bought themselves the cushion with the, yeah. the win streak. They might win the Big 12 for a second straight year, which is pretty insane. They're in good shape to do it. We'll see what they do tonight, but... How are you kind of feeling about where they're at right now? I think they're really good. I mean, even with the the loss to West Virginia, as you as you as you talked about, I mean, they almost came back and tried to you know pull that in, thing yeah. out. They were in it at the very end with Todd, you know, getting that steal and, and things like that. I mean, it's it's a really good team. They don't they don't give up, and that shows you at the end of that game that they're not going to give up, even when some of their players aren't you know performing at their best because OU typically does not turn the ball over, but West Virginia is just so good at making teams turn the ball over. That's what got them in this game because mm-hmm. they got, you know, some of the scoring production that they needed from multiple players in this game, but they just, they had, they couldn't overcome those turnovers early on that, that, that they, you know, accumulated. It was just too many. So, I mean, like that, that was out of their character and that's, that's probably, that's the main reason they lost this game. So that's, that's what it was, but they continued to fight down the stretch. And that's the most important thing for that team because, like you said, they already had the cushion, so it was just kind of showing each other that they're still going to fight for this, that they're going to go after, it. and that's 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 big, that's big. So I really like that. I really like what they yeah. what they did there. I know, and in, in West Virginia, I mean, it's, West Virginia's a good team, man. I mean, they're they were switching back and forth so far in the top two. Uh, I mean, the last two t- top twenty five polls. So 
it's, it's going to be a close race right there. Yeah, rest of the schedule, because they have Bedlam on Saturday, too. It's in Norman, uh, mm -hmm. 1 o'clock tip at the LNC. The game's actually on Fox, which is kind of wild. It's kind of cool for that, that team and that program. They got Cincinnati tonight, who's below 500. They got mm -hmm. Oklahoma State on Saturday, who's below 500. Mm -hmm. And Texas comes to LNC. Now, Texas is very good. That's top good. Five That's team. good. Yep. That's next Wednesday in Norman. But then their regular season finale is at Kansas, so they already beat one. So, I mean, there's mm -hmm. some, some winnable games here. Like I said, they, they're a game up with four to go. They're mm -hmm. in. It's right there out there for you. Uh, the Big 12 tournament. For they the beat Texas, too. Earlier than the men, keep that in mind. Um, yeah. For fans, they changed it all up this year with the scheduling and everything. So it's there's just a week before the men, so it'll sneak up on some people. All of a sudden, it'll be what the heck they're in the baseball tournament. So that's coming up um, in just a couple of weeks. But mm -hmm. they're in good shape here in first place, and uh, it'll be fun to watch them try to finish this thing off. Back to back baseball titles going out if they could do it is uh, that'd be that'd be quite the statement and uh, pretty cool for that team in that program. So we'll see how they finish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, they're all winnable games. They they beaten Texas before as well of those teams, so they right. they, they they really they really could win all of them. You know, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise if they won all of them. Basically, I know Texas really good top five right Probably now. Favorite in all of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, Texas is top five right now, so we'll see. It's you know, Norman, that, though. It's in Norman, so I mean, we'll see what the spread is. I mean, I yeah, don't, we'll I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it, it could go. It, it could go either way, is what I mean. Like it's it's sure. not a surprise if OU pulls it out. So. All right, I think that's it. We'll keep up with that uh, this week, and uh, certainly uh, men, too. It's an all-bedlam Saturday uh, in Norman and Stillwater, so that's a, a cool day of hoops that fans will be tuned into. We'll be back uh, Thursday with Colin on the show. Be sure to get uh, his input on the Julie Ale hire and all the latest recruiting. He was in Atlanta over the weekend at a big recruiting uh, camp and things like that. We talked about that last week, so get his full input coming out of that uh, as well. Everything else going on with OU football, basketball, all that good stuff. The three of us will be back next week, probably Monday. I don't know. There's always seems to be something. Uh, Monday or Tuesday, and we're talking about the weekend for hoops. The latest football will continue our status report series, offensive line, D-tackles uh, next week. Again, either Monday, Monday or Tuesday next week. Gentlemen, we'll see you then. Tom, we'll see you in Stillwater. Uh, yep. I guess we'll carpool. I'll see you somewhere, and then we'll carpool over to Stillwater. <laughs> we'll see you then, Thursday, next edition of the show. For Tom Green and James D. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys next time on the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. See you.